Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning once again, everybody. Welcome to Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. We are with you until 11 o'clock today. Mr. Tate is in the house. Scott Ritchie is joining us off the top this morning. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Good. Got golf to talk about. We've got baseball yep. to talk about. The new favorite uh, sport of Illini fans, basketball fans, <laughs> recruiting, off-season recruiting and the transfer portal, all items for discussion this morning. Did you notice that uh, Tiger Woods was playing in the Masters? He is. <laughs> <laughs> He I is. wonder who that guy was. <laughs> and he made the cut. He is a few Was there a step that he took yesterday that wasn't televised? I didn't see every second of it, but uh, <laughs> I would say probably not. Um, they caught him eating a snack. They caught him doing a lot of things. And saw him hit some good golf shots. And I some, tell you what, he, he, that's amazing what he's done the last two. He, he hit the ball really well. Just a little bit better luck in putting. He missed some really close putts that would have... You know, other than one runaway guy at the top, I mean, you know, he's only, what, four or five shots behind everybody else? Or it's Behind second place, you're yeah. right. Scotty Scheffler has the lead at eight under par after a round of 67 yesterday to go with a 69 on Thursday. And then uh, four guys are tied for second, and Tiger is tied for 19th at plus one. He has made 22 straight cuts in uh, Masters tournaments that he's participated in. And just the fact that he's playing is uh, is quite a story in itself. And getting yeah, around and that course. If, if you looked uh, carefully at his at the way he was walking in, on the final holes, you could see where he had a little bit, you know, he's a little gimpy, but, he, but uh, when he stands up over the ball, he hits it just like he always did. He did, and he's playing well, and certainly uh, that'll be a, the folks at CBS are real happy about that, I'm sure. That, oh, uh, man. He'll be a, a ratings grabber over the weekend. If he makes a couple of birdies early today, that place will go crazy. Our phone lines are open. Here's our guest to line up. I mentioned Scott Ritchie. We're going to talk basketball and maybe some Illinois football with him for the next 20 minutes or so. At 9.30, David Woods from the Indiana, Indianapolis Star will be with us in studio. Yeah. Talk to, to David about Butler. He's from Urbana, visiting home. Mm-hmm. 
Talk about uh, the hiring of Thad Mata as the Butler basketball coach. At 9.45, we'll uh, check in with uh, Orange and Blue News' Doug Bouchon, get his take on spring football, and then at 10 o'clock in the studio, Will Leach, mm-hmm. who's also in town. Yeah, just heard from him this morning. He'll be here. A U of I graduate in town for some activities on the U of I campus. He's a native of Mattoon, Illinois, and he'll be in the studio with us. All throughout the day, though, the phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Baseball today, the Pirates and the Cardinals shortly after 1 o'clock, the Brewers and the Cubs at one twenty. The White Sox and the Tigers shortly after noon. Illinois will play a doubleheader in Big Ten play at Iowa starting at 1 o'clock today. They were going to play yesterday, but they yep. moved that uh, game to today. Softball, Illinois against the Wisconsin. Two games today, one tomorrow. Big Ten action there. Women's tennis team won its fourth straight Big Ten match, beating Purdue 4-2. to two. They're now 6-1 and one in the Big Ten the Illini women's tennis team. The men's tennis team lost at Nebraska 4-2 to two to fall to 2-3 and three in the Big Ten and 9-12 and 12 overall. The men's golf team is scheduled to play today. It'll be a little chilly over in West Lafayette sure will. for the Boilermaker Classic today and tomorrow. Mike Small's team will be involved in that along with 15 or so other college golf teams from around the country. Those are some of the headlines on this April the 9th, the headline of the last couple of days has been uh, the verbal commitment to Illinois basketball from one Sky Clark. Scott Ritchie is going to tell us more about him. He's a guy that uh, is a five-star guard who's been a lot of places in his young life, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I think he finished his high school career you know, this season at Monfort Academy down in Florida, one of the best programs in the country, uh, one of the second straight Geico National Championship uh, earlier this month, um, but that came after uh, some time in Tennessee, uh, he's, and then he's originally from California, played in a couple different high schools there. Um, what he's done at all of them, though, is score. Um, even as a freshman uh, in high school in California, was putting up sort of crazy numbers for you know essentially a 14-year-old. Um, the Curious. I mean, I guess I don't know if it's a concern, but just the the thing that he's going to have to continue to work through is the fact that you know he tore his you know, partially tore ACL and meniscus in his left knee last July. He was back on the court by January, so you know, kind of a quick recovery there, at least to get you know well enough to play. And then he was maybe just starting to find a rhythm and broke his hand and missed the the rest of his senior season. So. On top of, you know, he had a broken nose as well yeah, at some point in that, that run. So, been but hit the, by the injury. It's more work for Fletch, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the, which is kind of interesting because that's what he mentioned, you know, when he announced on ESPNU that he was committing to Illinois was, you know, his, you know, Brett Underwood played a role in his commitment and that in-home visit that he and Tim Anderson got was, I think, very, you know, pivotal. The, his relationship with Tim Anderson dating back to when he was in middle school, because he initially committed to DePaul and Tim Anderson when he was in eighth grade, because uh, he and Amari Bailey were going to play together for Dave Latow, and now he's no longer at DePaul, and neither of those guys are going to go to DePaul. But then Fletch was the Adam Fletcher was the the last thing it was like it's a guy that could maybe get his body right after a year where if it could go wrong, it did go wrong health wise. Here's my question: 
who plays point number one you got four freshmen coming in does you have do you have anybody on the team other than the four freshmen who could play the point I'd say no and are any of these four freshmen natural points and do you need a point am I over you know overemphasizing that whole idea can you get away with maybe playing two or three guys and just alternating them committee well, I think the answers are I don't think there's anyone that can play the point on the roster currently. Um, I don't think any of the freshmen are true point guards. Okay. Um, but if you play two combo guards together, mm-hmm. uh, does that equal like one <laughs> point guard and one shooting guard? I don't know. Well, it worked for D and Darren. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's you know, a true point guard has some value. But they, by the way, they were both two points. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Darren Williams ended up playing point guard in the NBA for a dozen yeah. seasons. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need maybe a true point guard now, but you it's all, all going to come down to how much either Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, like how much can they facilitate for their teammates? Because they're both terrific scorers with, and their secondary skill, you would say, is probably. You know, if the they best. can break down a defender with the dribble, then that's all that matters. And both of them are really good at getting to the basket. Okay, throw the other element into that, that both of them will be freshmen. Yeah. Yeah, and... So know, do we need somebody else? That's right. what I'm getting around to. And Illinois is still looking. I mean, they're not done. I mean, not done with this offseason yet, and they're still looking at some, some guards that could help in that regard. Uh, Brandon Murray from LSU, again, maybe not a true point guard, but... A little older, he'll be a so- I mean, he'll be a sophomore, <laughs> but he's not a freshman. He's and all, then, of, all of nineteen, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, Courtney Ramey's the the old guy at this point. You know, just played four. Well, years. I, Steve and I were talking before the show. I never saw. I saw Ramey play in high school. He wasn't a point guard. I mean, I've seen him play for Texas. He is not a point guard. Yeah, he can play some point. Okay. He's not like a flashy player. So what we got is like five, he's 20, five or six guys that could play it. Yeah, like but Courtney Ramey's twenty-two, or probably will be twenty-one, twenty-two, and he's just a good decision maker, but he's not necessarily the flashy playmaker. Uh, I don't. I think at any juncture at this point, you're not going to have maybe that true point guard, even if they add somebody from the portal. And I don't. We're not done with the portal either. There could be more guys that go in it. Um, you know, the next couple oh, it's months. every day. Yeah, I mean, it's basically back on track with last year's total at this time of year. So, you know, at by the end, there were like 1,800 players in the portal for basketball. Not there yet. So there's, I don't know, roughly 600 more to go. Maybe there's a true point guard in there. But um, there will be options. I don't know. It's Well, Trent Frazier wasn't a true point guard either. But That's right. He managed to do fairly well over his five years when he was put into that role. So, where do you think Corbello's going to go? I mean, he has plenty of options. I mean the the one that I don't know, I guess, makes sense in a way is St. John's because they were one of his finalists when he was coming out of high school, and two of his high school teammates from Long Island Lutheran um, are on the roster, including. You know, a guy that he knows from Puerto Rico and has played with, you know, for some of the Puerto Rican you know, junior national teams. So yeah. that makes some sense. I mean, Miami was on his initial list coming out of high school, and 
They're going to need some guards because I'm pretty sure Charlie Moore can't play college basketball anymore <laughs> at this point. Uh, Cam Agusti. I don't know what you say that. <laughs> like, he's been around forever. Uh, you know, Cam Agusti, I think, is you know, out of eligibility as well. So Jim Laranaga needs somebody. Um, and then Oregon was also one of Cabello's finalists. And I think he'll have his choice, but no, there's no, no real movement yet on that. Charlie Moore would only be a junior on the uh, <laughs> on the Coleman Lands <laughs> yeah. plan. I'm, I'm also pretty sure Jalen is sixth year. Yeah, Jalen also cannot play any more college basketball, but he went out as a national champion at Kansas. So, yeah, he the seventh year. It you know, was the the one apparently. If you wait, it may happen. The uh, class of Clark Epps, Sincere Harris, and Ty Rogers. Where does that place the Illinois class? Does that move that into the top ten? Yeah, they're number eight. Uh, at least, I mean, everyone ranks things differently, but that's twenty four seven sports has them eighth. Still third in the Big Ten, though. Ohio State and Michigan are ahead of them, and now it's and I think Ohio State has five guys coming in, so like I think they get a little boost there just in terms of numbers. But Michigan's at four, Illinois at four, so it's all this doesn't four. matter except we we need to know what Kopey's doing. That's what matters. <laughs> yeah, and because that's the. The real difference maker. And uh, two weeks from tomorrow, Kofi has to, has, has to have a decision one way or the other. If he declares for the NBA draft again, that's it. It's the third time. Can't do it again. Can't come back to college basketball. But he could decide to return, and you know, that would keep Illinois, at least in some of the you know, advanced metric project, projections, you know, a top five, top six team in the country. So he's got a couple of weeks. On on the pro side of it, what about the portal side of it? Uh, May first is the deadline to enter the portal and be eligible for next season. So, so what we're saying here is we're going to know what Kofi's going to do by the May the first. Yeah, because um, both of those issues will be settled by then. And I'm going to say to you that I think it's. I said sixty forty before. I'd say it's eighty twenty. He's coming back. What do you think about that? I think. It might be his best option because mm-hmm. if you look at the financially, yeah, and that's I mean, uh, do we talk about anything else? At this no, point? no, excuse me, because <laughs> he doesn't have any. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have anything left to prove basketball wise in college basketball. I mean, he's a he's a first team All American this year, second team last year. You know, averaged twenty and ten was a finalist for every National Player of the Year award. So I guess like maybe he could win one. I mean, I had something to play for. But if you look at the mock drafts every single one of them it's like at best he would be a late second round pick at, at best and that's i like, haven't even seen that I, i've seen like one maybe okay Mostly, well this is not the year to go to poland and play is it <laughs> <laughs> well i wouldn't choose poland I like maybe spain maybe, <laughs> maybe france portugal maybe that's far enough away but uh, i don't think this is a year to go to europe period well there's and just stuff i've read and kind of hers like there's some hesitancy just because there's a land war in Europe right now not that it you looks bet. like it's going to spill over into the rest of the continent who knows what's going to happen but yeah there's some uncertainty there and you know if you know, I wrote about this for Sunday so I won't give it all away but the G League is if he doesn't get somehow a two-way contract which if you're not drafted those are pretty hard to come by mm-hmm. essentially I mean, it's a crapshoot at that point. If he doesn't get one of those, 
the pretty much average or the minimum salary that everyone got in the G League this year was $37,000. He can make significantly more than that coming back to Illinois. Oh, man. He he makes more than that every month (laughs) by far. (laughs) What did you tell me about the the Guardians? They're trying to to line up a a list of people that make contributions every month, right? I mean, that's the whole goal of the – other than some of the big donors that might give a whole bunch, but isn't that correct? That that's what they're, that's what they're trying to do, and they can direct the money anywhere they want, right? Yeah. Well, for bigger donations to them, like you can like say, I want this going to this specific team or this specific player. Um, otherwise, you can like select what, where we'd like it to go, and it, it would just go into like the larger pool for say basketball or football or baseball, softball, whatever, any sport. All, every sport that Illinois offers, you can give money to that. But then they sort of direct that money to the players with, and it can't just be handing them a bag of cash. Like there's, you have to, there has to be a service rendered to get it. And like their goal is to connect Illinois athletes with uh, charities and this community and maybe in the player's hometown. And so they would meet with those like do something with a local charity to say earn that money. Talking to Scott Ritchie, we're talking Illinois basketball recruiting. If you'd like to join us, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We've got plenty more. We've got some texts here to get to in just a moment. We'll take our first time out though on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're back after this. So far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online, PellaOfChampaign.com. It is 9-19, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. With you until 11 o'clock, as always, the phone lines are open, 217-356-9397. Scott Ritchie is with us for another 10 minutes or so, talking uh, basketball recruiting and uh, matters like that. If you'd like to join us, feel free to check in. We've got some texts. We've got a couple questions about uh, with the influx of uh, young guards. How does that play out for Brandon Podjimski? That's uh, one that the one uh, texter says. We have another one asking the same thing. Where does Pods fit in in uh, the game plan? I don't think we can know until the new guys, the freshmen, get on the court and there's some competition there this summer. Um, certainly creates a, a lot of options, but, I mean, Illinois is rebuilding his backcourt entirely. I mean, Trent Frazier's gone, Alfonso Plummer's gone, Andre Carbello's gone. That's a lot of minutes for somebody to take. And You see you know, Pod as a wing, right? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think because of all the situations this year, he was like the fourth point guard and sometimes was in that spot. But I think you play him off the ball more as a shooter and maybe slasher. Um, so there's there's minutes for him to earn. And I think that's the thing is like, they're not just going to hand out the playing time. Like, Brad Underwood will force you to prove to him why you should have it. Well, I think we should really emphasize here that we were, he's not done. Underwood is not done. There are still cut players out there. He's going, I mean, I'm not talking about high school. I'm talking about transfer. Well, we haven't mentioned Terrence Shannon yet this right. morning. He's yeah. not a point guard, but he's certainly out there and very much on the radar. Yeah, and you know, I've 
basically heard been told was like Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan. Like that's, that's pretty much it right now for Terrence Shannon do at the moment. Hear, do you hear that uh, Shannon, when he finds out that Kofi's coming back, that this will help get Shannon, that he would want to play with Kofi? Well, I wouldn't see why he wouldn't. I hear he, I hear that's a key thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, Kofi coming back is good for everybody on the Illinois roster or who wants to play at Illinois. Yeah. Just, because, I mean, that pretty much guarantees – I mean, I don't want to say guarantee. That's probably too much. But, like, Illinois is going to be a, a contender for the Big Ten title and, you know, for the NCAA tournament again because of Kofi. Um, yeah. That's and been players the case wanna, for three years. Yeah, <laughs> players want to go to winning programs. Here's my question back to the NIO. One last question. Okay. Our guardians are taking in money. They take in money from people who might give monthly. They take in uh, large sums for people that want to make a contribution like that. What do they have? What kind of arrangements do they have to make? They just can't hand that money to the player. What kind of arrangements do they make with businesses uh, in order to make this legal? Okay, so as long as there's some service or rendered and that's the that's the way that you know cam cox described it when he was on a monday night sports talk with us at the esquire okay. a few weeks ago that's something has to the athletes have to do something to earn said money and i know just one example that i was given was like say someone donates an x number of dollars to the football team and say maybe like 10 or 12 football players go build a house for humanity or for habitat build a house for habitat for humanity so something charitable in that way mm-hmm. um i know like isaiah williams and i think uh, alex palcheski maybe went to chicago and worked with tracy abrams organization that he started up there which really? is you know, helping you know kids you know from chicago just kind of a mentorship type deal so that legitimizes it huh yeah okay and like the guardians have also like part of it is like they if there's an interested business, like they can serve as sort of a third party connector between said business who might just want to use Kofi in an advertisement or any kind of scenario there. It's, um, you know, still, I mean, we're not even a year into NIL, and I don't think anyone really knows yet exactly how all of this is going to continue to play out or, or change. I mean, are you concerned, as Lauren is? about the ability of players to move around so much, not just in the transfer portal, but here comes Sky Clark, who has played at four different high schools so far. Oh, and technically he was at five. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. in Tennessee he initially enrolled at Brentwood Academy. He didn't play there, though. Right. No, but he, before he wound up at Ensworth. Are you concerned with that, or is that just the way things are now? I mean, it's obviously very different from how it used to be. Um, but I don't, and not every basketball player does that. It's mostly, I mean, mostly like a lot of the top recruits, but, uh, I think it's the way it is now. Did you see, uh, well, I don't think you expect him to come in and play four years at Illinois. No, no. I mean, he's just, he's too mobile for that. Did you see Coach Izzo's comments on the transfer portal? What did he say? Well, basically, uh, uh, Summarize it. He said it's, we're making things too easy. That yeah. part of the experience should be going through some tough times. Yeah. And how you deal with that, and how you come out of it, and making it too easy. And he he understands that the way it is, and he he's benefited from a transfer or two along the way. That that just happens. But uh, I thought he made some good points there about uh, part of growing up, so to speak, is 
responding to adversity, and it comes along for all of us. I saw one of his players, Joey Hauser, is talking about maybe coming back. Has, has he made a final decision that, that you've heard, Scott? I haven't, no. I mean, he's, that'd be a, a super senior yeah. season for yeah. him. He'd uh, have a, he's got an extra season. Everybody that's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody that's played the last three years has two more years to go. Yeah. <laughs> simple, like I always have to like answer. I have to stop and think. It was like how many years of eligibility does X player have left? Because it's the Everybody, bonus year and the COVID season not counting. It's a now every, every, we need to get through like this the next I guess three years and then I think everything will reset right. totally. And it's almost like well he graduated two years ago but he's got two years yet to play. <laughs> <laughs> but. Well, uh, what we have now is that any these freshmen coming in, they have four years to play, and yeah. that's it. But the well, the guys, freshmen last year as well. Yeah, same right. But if you if you've played the last three years, no matter where you are, you've got two. Yeah. Got a question on the text. Need to get uh, Coach B get it to get football recruiting rolling like the basketball recruiting is going, and that's exactly what he's trying to do. Yeah. Well. I say he's off to a pretty good start yeah. in the 2023 class. I mean, Caden Vegan from Arthur is a four-star recruit that was really seriously considering Notre Dame, and Illinois got him. And you know, they got Antoine Hayden out of East St. Louis, which is just a, essentially a— I was surprised he wasn't ranked higher. Yeah, and I could see him, because he plays at East St. Louis and he played well last year, Like I could see him jumping up the rankings. So. Mm-hmm. But like that's two in-state guys— both ranked in the top 15 in the state, and I don't know what else Illinois fan Like, Illinois is not going to get all these five-star football recruits, not yet at least, but I don't think you can ask for more right now. I mean, maybe more players, but, like, the first two they got are pretty good. They need defensive linemen, I'm telling you. When I see them getting defensive linemen, I know they're on the right track. Until they do, they're not going to be the top. They're not going to reach the top. It is not. You've got to have defensive linemen. Yeah. There are not enough to go around. That is the problem. Yeah. Well, it's just there's not that many guys that size that are talented enough to play at right. the top level. If you um, can't run real good, you go to offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously work to be done, but Illinois recruiting for football is better now than what Lovey had it at. So, I mean, yeah. just, it's not going to be an immediate – like, football, you can't flip things – as quickly as you can in basketball. And, like, I think Illinois fans, football fans have had to just say, well, we got to be patient maybe for the last, you know, three decades, but still got to be patient. <laughs> Back to basketball. Brandon Murray is making a couple of um, official visits, or at least visits, uh, this weekend, I guess. Kind of a whirlwind visit tour, right? Yeah, I'll say if he was going to make three visits, but like in three days, like, announced Monday. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. But you know, he's down to Illinois, essentially. I mean, the ones he said he's going to visit, you think are the top ones. So Illinois, Tennessee, and Georgetown. Georgetown, after you know their just awful season, would seem like an outlier, but they hired one of the assistant coaches from LSU um, to be on Patrick Ewing's staff. So there's the connection there. Um, Tennessee, you know, is losing Kennedy Chandler. He's going to be a first round pick, so they've got. A spot in the backcourt to fill, and Illinois is obviously still pursuing guys, so it all makes sense at every spot. But we'll just see what we'll see what Sky Clark's commitment maybe means for Brandon Murray, because uh, that's another guy that's going to be competing for minutes. So the coaches are back out. 
now. They had a dead period, right? But they could be back on the road now. Yeah, so like Under Armour and Nike, like their spring, summer seasons all started this past weekend. Under Armour's in Indy, uh, Nike, the EYBL's in Orlando. Then we'll be in, well, it's not technically Indianapolis, it's Westfield. but uh, So they'll be there in, what, two weekends, I think. So yeah, uh, I mean, basketball never stops. So just the, the recruiting piece is the, the primary one right now. And it's interesting, I saw some people that were some reporters that were out, you know, yesterday, the number of coaches that are also out is a little bit lower because they're back on campus taking, you know, transfers through official visits. So (laughs) uh, it's maybe another hit to the high school recruit that if teams can add a 20-year-old, 21-year-old with some college experience, that they might do that instead of an 18-year-old that they're going to have to develop. One guy we didn't mention that still could be in the conversation is Grandison. What what are your thoughts about him? Well, he's got you know as everyone did you know, that bonus year to come back and play. Um, don't know if he will. And Illinois technically doesn't have to hold a scholarship for him because he has already played. His, well, I guess he's Be played. careful how many he has. He already. Yeah, I got to go through how many he's actually played. He's played. He's played two. He sat out one. Yeah, but he played two at Holy Cross right. as well. So he's played his four in he's five. Right. So, you know, the, at that point, you know, it has to be a mutual thing for players to come back. I think if he wanted to, I mean, Brad Underwood spoke so highly of him, who's, as you know, especially when he was missing in the NCAA tournament, being the maestro of all things offense, that maybe I think a lot of that maybe depends on. Darren Shannon, perhaps. Um, I just the off season, it's such a mess. I just because so many different th- things can happen at the same time, and this affects that. And who knows if they want to? Jacob Grandison is going to be twenty five. <laughs> I think this month, maybe. Um, I think he just turned twenty five. Yeah. So like, like now as almost thirty five, like yeah, I would have stayed in college when <laughs> I was twenty five. But when when I was twenty five, I didn't want to. When I was. 21, I'd, I was done. Yeah, but if college. there was some NIL money on the line, you might have Yeah, if that. they were going to pay me to be in college, I would have probably stuck around. But So it's it's up to, I mean, it's kind of up to him if he wants to get the next stage of his life started. We'll squeeze in a call here before we go to break at the bottom of the hour. Jim calling from Mattoon. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, guys. Uh, first, appreciate the show. Uh, Scott or Lauren or, or Steve, anybody here, with with Sky coming in and with Epps, are we going to be more an up-tempo offense? I mean, how, how do you envision this offense running? Last year, as you know, two NCAA games were in the 50s. It just seemed, it seemed like our half-court game is not good. So, so how would you at this point envision what kind of offense we're going to run? Well, he, he'll probably run the same kind of offense he's been running. What, they average 76 points a game this year. He wants to shoot shoot fast, doesn't he? Yeah, and I don't think it matters what guards are coming in. It matters if Kofi returns or not because that's going to dictate the offense. And he mentioned the NCAA tournament where they ran a really bad half-court offense. So they didn't really run an offense. Um, I think guys like Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, uh, more inclined to attack the basket. And that's what Illinois needed was someone just to get north and south in mm-hmm. the half court because yep. R.J. Melendez was really the only one that did. So I think that'll be a boost. And 
know, Sky Clark's a good shooter as well. Jaden Epps can can shoot it. Um, yeah, I mean, before things fell apart there at the end, like they were scoring you know, a pretty good amount every game. They just just didn't run anything decent. You know, I guess when it mattered the most. But I, if Kofi comes back, the offense is going to look very similar because it's going to be built around him. Anything else, Jim? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Question with that. Um, in, in, and I'm, I'm a Kofi fan. I, I want to get that out there. Two years ago, he had five assists, and then last year he had 22. Does he? Is his passing game need to pick up to make this offense even that much better? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a simple. I, like I mean, he's got the ball every I mean, time no, they come down the court. <laughs> that the idea is to throw him the ball, and and a lot of those times, the best thing he can do is throw it back out. They're, everybody's double teaming him and triple. Yeah. So so it looks to me like if if he has a little quicker release, you know, if if he comes up high and then kicks the ball out to a shooter, uh, I, I think that will be just that much more effective but mm-hmm. i think all the pieces uh just last question so you, you think you say what what are the odds we do get shannon if you had to project a percentage think 50 50 <laughs> what do you think yeah i mean okay we'll take it i mean it's uh i'll give the marcus jackson answer which is 50 50 he either does or he doesn't exactly uh, that's the same way with me winning the lotto right yeah, yeah. but I, I mean i think Illinois is in a good spot simply because you know, oh yeah. Underwood was part of his recruitment the first time around. You know, no. Tim Anderson got him to commit to got DePaul. Um, so there's a relationship built there. But when Kentucky and Michigan are also in the mix, I mean, those are two good programs. Hey, Jim, thanks for the call. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have yeah, a good one. You too. Scott Ritchie, thank you, my friend. Good to talk to you. We'll do thanks, it again Scott. soon. Talk to you Monday night. We'll take a break at 935. David Woods is in the studio. We're going to talk with him. Keep the phone lines open as well. On Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, back after this. It is 9.37. Welcome back to the show. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to Scott Ritchie for spending some time with us. David Woods from the Indy Star is in studio in town to visit uh, some folks. Good to see you, David. Good to see you guys always. We were talking basketball. I mean, what we thought of you uh, last week. When uh, Butler, who you've covered for how many years now? Uh, 20 years, 20 seasons. 20 seasons of coverage of Butler basketball over in Indianapolis. They hired a former coach and a guy with ties there, obviously, a former player, Fad Mata. Want to get your thoughts on, on that? Did you see that on the radar? Did you see that coming? Well, the Fad Mata hire was interesting in that it was both expected and yet shocking at the same mm-hmm. time. I know after I we had uh, prepared stories in case Laval Jordan was fired. So within probably less than ten minutes after uh, after the firing was announced, I posted a story in which which uh, we listed Thad Mata as the you know if Butler stayed in the family that was the so-called family that was the top candidate to succeed uh, Laval Jordan. The thing being, of course, you didn't know uh, about his health, so so it, it was really. It, it was it was really a, a, a kind of a paradox, and yet the hire was was uh, was uh, seemingly inevitable, yet totally surprising at the same time. Well, uh, Thad, by the way, the leading all-time scorer from Hoopston, I noticed that in the paper today. Um, of course, we've known about him for many many years, and of course, he was at, at Butler before. But 
what can you have you done any research on his health and and what his most serious problems were? I know he had a, a drop foot or something of that nature, and then was that all? Uh, as, as far as I know, he uh, and I, I'd say to his credit, he he addressed it very directly. He was kind of introduced to a, a, a gathering of fans at Hinkle Fieldhouse on Wednesday, and and uh, and uh, I think he, he famously said uh, he said that was the recruiting was getting so crazy. He said he had he had other coaches on the recruiting trail telling the prospects that Thad Mata was going to die. Oh, that he was near death. <laughs> and uh, Thad said, he said, said, I'm not going to die. My foot doesn't work. That's it. <laughs> okay. And he kind of, you know, he, he did kind of, kind of limp out, but he, he said his, uh, his uh, health is better now. And, and uh, uh, I don't, I really don't think he would have taken this on. Now, granted, he was offered jobs elsewhere. He didn't specify which, um, but I, I, I don't, I think he probably th- thinks enough of his own health and his own family and of Butler to not take on this job if he didn't think he could do it. Now, we're talking off the air here. The question becomes, like, how long do you want to do it? Um, but, you know, Mike Krzyzewski just retired at age at age 75, and, and he's managed to do it. It's uh, But recruiting has gotten so crazy. I mean, the sport has even changed in the five years since he left Ohio State in 2017 with the transfer portal and NIL. You, you almost need someone on staff that almost does nothing. He's but behind tra- already. Portal. Well, yeah, and, and, that, and that was the problem with Butler delaying the announcement like 22 days after their after their season ended. On uh, So I, I feel like it hurt the former staff in trying to get jobs, and I feel like it hurts the current staff. Well, how much money did they counts. save in doing that? Uh, I, I don't know how much money they saved. I was, I've been told it's both significant and it was not very much. <laughs> <laughs> but Butler's a pretty secretive place, and, and as a private university, they, they can they can do some things. So for instance, the University of Illinois But his buyout be definitely had been reduced. That's what I assume, that the buyout was reduced on, on April 1st, which mm-hmm. which led to the you know question like, can does does Butler? How difficult is is it for Butler in the Big East? You know, financially, because they're they're at the bottom of the league in in uh, in basketball budget. In fact, I think five Atlantic Ten schools have budgets larger than Butler. Not that that's the be all and end all, but that that is one piece of the of the Big East puzzle. And, and the Big East membership has done a lot for the university, I think, in terms of you know prestige and enrollment, and 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 they've done a lot of building campaigns, but I, I I felt from the very beginning that Big East membership would be an ongoing strain for Butler, and I think it is still nine years later. It's it's not it's not that Butler can't compete in the Big East, but it's really a strain. It, in the era of Harry Combs, and maybe before, Illinois always opened the season, basketball season, against Butler. Let's bring that back. I, I am with you 100. percent I am I am old enough, Lauren. I remember s- sitting, I- I being in my bed, listening to uh, Illini Butler basketball uh, opener from Indianapolis, and and listening to Larry Stewart broadcast the game. And it's and I know scheduling is difficult and and tricky, but the two universities are so close together. A uh, home and home would be so it, it'd be like okay, we're going to play like a good opponent. And we'll just like bus over there and bus mm-hmm. back is kind of a low strain. And, and, and now they're both in power conferences. You know, used before, I think, you know, I, I think 
probably Harry Combs just, you know, liked Tony Hinkle, so he agreed to play mm-hmm. Illinois. And uh, well, they were all but, home but, games, but, weren't they? Yeah, uh, no, nah, Illinois mean, played. All, co- Illinois I mean, played a few times at mm-hmm. uh, at um, uh, at what was then Butler Fieldhouse. But I, I think that would be a really good um, and and you know any any TV network, BTN or Fox, FS1 or any of them would like that game. Uh, CBS might even like the game. What was the um, numbers on the Thad Mata contract? Does Butler release that information? Does the Kremlin announce what it's doing ahead of time? <laughs> no. No, what do you no think? numbers. I don't know. I, I think the problem, you know, Laval was making about, about uh, 1.5, 1.6 million a year. So it's probably more than that. But I'm thinking Thad Mott has made tons of money in his career. Um, I am told they're ramping up the uh, salaries for the assistant coaches, which makes sense. So I'm. I, that almost should do what Tom Brady does. Okay, let's let's reduce my salary and pay you know pay the other guys more so we can be good. I don't know if that would happen, but but uh, but uh, uh, Thad Mata was a very popular uh, figure at Butler. Coincidentally, he was the coach. The one season he was the coach was my first season on the beat, and that was night two thousand one. And uh, Butler won the league tournament, and then. Uh, beat Wake Forest in the NCAA tournament, which was Butler's first NCAA tournament victory in 39 years. Really? Let's go to the phones. We've got a call from Huntsville, Alabama. John, you're on the air. Go ahead. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, I had a couple questions. My first one, uh, you're talking about Thad's health. I know uh, he had kind of a minor back surgery in high school, and I, I think he had back surgery when he was at Ohio State. So I'm kind of wondering how his back is. They talk about his foot. And I also like to know, uh, I know they've hired one assistant coach who was with that, I believe, at Ohio State. Have they hired any other assistant coaches? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call, John. Yeah, the, it, was the, it was the back surgery in 2007 that's causing the drop foot. So that, that, that's a, an, an outcome of that. Um, yeah, we were able to break the story on uh, Kevin Kuick uh, coming back to uh, Butler. He, he actually... I remember him. He was on. Um, he had a administrative role on in uh, two thousand eight nine, which was the year Gordon Hayward and Shelvin Mack were freshmen. So he was Butler just that one season, and um, he's actually been on. This is I think this is a kind of amazing stat. He's been on five. Been assistant coach at five different programs that have made the NCAA tournament. So he, he's, he's been attached to successful programs every, every place he's been. But he's the only one announced, uh, announced so far. So they've still got, you know, two more full-time assistants to add. And of course, they have, you know, there's, what, special assistant. There's fair, f- other, other kinds of roles that are, that are uh, allowed by the Speaking of being attached or getting attached to a guy like uh, Thad Mata over time, do you look at this possibly as – Thad having some say in who his successor will be, or do you think their their vision is a little more short-term than that? I, I think it's more short-term than that right now. Yeah. And maybe Thad has it in his idea, but, I mean, I you know, he uh, he's a, always been a competitive guy. He, uh, you know, he, he basically as much as said, you know, he's coming to Butler because he's done everything except win a national championship. And obviously you can win a national championship out of the Big East, but uh, uh, I think I think at this point, uh, 
Butler probably just needs to see if they can if they can win half their Big East games next year. Because <laughs> if they could do that, they would they you know they might be able to straddle the bubble. But who knows what the roster is going to be? I mean, they right now I think they only have uh, eight guys for next season, uh, and um, well, seven or eight, and and then they're you know they're. But, but even the Laval staff is going to be heavily dependent on the portal. That was the plan all along, was to uh, use a transfer portal. And just like Scott said, hey, do you, want a, do you want a 22-year-old man or a 17-year-old boy on your roster? And, that may, and I, I think you'd rather have the 22-year-old man who's played college basketball. Let's go back to the phones. GB in Urbana. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah David Woods. Uh, Back in the Larry Stewart era, was Otho Tucker, Jed Foster, Mike Washington, and Nate Williams playing at the time? <laughs> Remember Otho Tucker? Oh, yeah. Paris, Illinois. Oh, Paris, Paris, Illinois, Otho. Well, that's all pretty much. Jed Foster. And yeah, Nate I think the era I'm talking Mike. about precedes all those guys, as a matter of fact. Oh. I'm going back to Dave Scholes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, the great Dave Scholes. I loved him. To to me to me I think he should be up in in the rafters. His he he should be retired in the rafters. Dave Scholes. All right, GB. Appreciate you listening. Thanks. All right, bye. Yep. Another minute or so with uh, David Woods. Um, what else is going over going on over in India? Uh, what's keeping you busy? Well, we had last that one week was really interesting. I had probably two of the biggest breaking stories of my career just three days apart uh, uh, Indi- uh, USA Swimming announced that the 2024 Olympic swimming trials would be held in Lucas Oil Stadium no uh, in, in temporary pools and they'll you know probably have you set it up much like the final four configuration where they'll have 30 or 35,000 uh, seats available temporary pools yeah temporary pools <laughs> which has been which have been used for like the last 20 years so the is technology right? on that is, is really advanced. Why would they do? Why wouldn't you use pools that are already? Because you can't. Because you can't accommodate thirty-five thousand spectators a night for nine nights. And is that how many turn out? Yep, yep. For and, the trials. Yeah, for the Olympic trials, and you know, uh, Indianapolis had the twenty oh four short course uh, world championships inside uh, then Conseco Fieldhouse, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of those night sessions were. I can't remember the configuration, but it was like ten or twelve thousand. Uh, a night so uh, Indianapolis has the best permanent aquatics facility in, in the country at the natatorium but that only seats 44 4500 so this would be a big deal and then and then three years after that was three days after that was announced uh Laval Jordan was fired as, as Butler coach after five seasons one more call before we let uh, David Woods go this is Jim in Champaign go ahead Jim good morning um yeah Illinois had an assistant coach here under under uh, John Gross, Brandon Miller, who obviously went on to coach over at at, uh, at Butler. Um, any word on how he's doing or any update on him or if he's getting back into coaching? Uh, Brandon went back to uh, Newcastle and is kind of living a, a quiet life of seclusion. Um, has not What's he doing for a living? In, has not agreed to any interver- interviews, and, and like his friends – won't uh, really talk publicly uh, about him, so he's just you know he's just kind of he's just kind of living a uh, a uh, quiet life in Newcastle. Uh, I am glad that the uh, the gentleman mentioned John Gross though, because uh, I advocated for John Gross to be the, the next Butler coach, and I think actually it might have made more sense than Thad Mata because uh, 
I, I know his tenure didn't end well great at Illinois, but he's taken three different programs to the NCAA tournament. Akron almost beat UCLA in the first they round. Got this year. They got robbed. They got a call in the last they, minute or so. They, that they, charging they, call was they got, ridiculous. Yeah, they had, they got no breaks toward the end. And um, I think that one of the knocks on John after he was hired here is that well, you know, his Mid American Conference regular season record wasn't that good. So how good a coach was he really? His last three seasons in the MAC, his his record is really good, and uh, he's recruited in a power conference. He's won NCAA tournament games. Uh, you know, he's younger than that. I think he'd have been a good pick. Thad's a good pick, but I think John Gross uh, would, have, would have been a good hire by Butler. I do. Thanks, Jim, for the call. We appreciate it. David Woods, always good to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for your time. Anytime. Any, any uh, love being here? My, I, I can't, can't say it's my old environment at the News Gazette since you changed buildings, but, but uh, I'll, I'll always be uh, kind of a, of a uh, News Gazette uh, and Champaign-Urbana person at heart. Who are, who are you visiting this week? Uh, uh, my mother, my mother Helen. We're we're okay. heading back to we're heading back to Indianapolis this afternoon. Okay. Anytime you're in town, let us know. You're always welcome. Thanks a lot, guys. David Woods at nine fifty two. We'll take a break. Be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Moving up on nine fifty five, hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. We welcome to the program my friend Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. Morning, Doug. How are you, sir? Yeah, good morning. Thanks well, for having me on, Steve. No problem. Sure. We uh, want to talk a little Illinois football with you. Uh, moving towards the midway point of the uh, spring practice period with the spring game uh, coming up on uh, April the uh, 21st. Let's get your overall thoughts on the uh, limited amount of practice you've been uh, uh, able to see so far, what have you learned about this Illinois football team? Well, you know, we only get to see 15 minutes a day, so we don't get to see a lot of scrimmage or anything like that. But, uh, you know, the big story probably is a new offensive coordinator and a completely new offense under Barry Lenny Jr., who was the offensive coordinator last year at, at UTSA. And, and uh, you know, it's a big shift. I mean, they're, they're going to an up-tempo, no-huddle type of offense. They have a new quarterback in Tommy DeVito, the transfer from Syracuse. So a, a lot of these practices are just installing a new offense and getting everybody accustomed to, to the new terminology and new routes and just about everything's new with the offense. Well, Doug, this is uh, the 10th new coordinator situation. I say these two, I, I should say – the 11th since we had two one year, but the 10th uh, system that has been installed in the last 16 years. And, I mean, how do, how do the players, do you think, adapt to that, uh, to have to change from one year to the next? I mean, just imagine how much more simpler it is to come back a second year and have it already, you already know the terminology. Well, that's right. But, uh, you know, I think these coaches, um, they have a good plan on how to install it. Uh, they start off with classroom stuff well before spring football starts and by the time they get on the field you know they have an idea of what they're supposed to do even though they haven't really walked through it yet so they, they do a good job they're going to get most of the offense installed in the spring and then start back you know in fall camp but you know i think the change from a pro style last year to the up-tempo probably affects the offensive linemen more than anybody else it, i mean you got they got to get back they got to get set uh, they have to be in better physical condition. You can't get winded out there. And, the, you know, the up-tempo is a lot different than huddling, uh, you know, in a pro-style offense. 
As far as the uh, offense is concerned, uh, offensive line, uh, where do you see Pelshevsky only playing, guard or tackle, and how does that affect the other uh, positions? You know, I think I think it it just it 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 depends on if they find a, a right tackle or not. But it, they they'd rather have Alex stay at right guard where he played last year. It's a more natural position for him. He played there, you know, last year during the season. If they can find a guy to to play right uh, right tackle, maybe a, the new kid, Zach Chrysler, the JUCO transfer, uh, then maybe he'll you know he'll probably stay at guard. If if not, they may put. Uh, you know, one of the bigger guys at guard are moving back outside. But I don't think any of that is settled yet. You know, they're still looking for the best five, and that's that's, that's kind of the approach they're going to have is find the best five and then find out where they fit along the O-line. What's your major concern on the offensive side? Would it be the, maybe the uh, wide receiver situation? It is. You know, depth, I think depth at every position. It's kind of a transition year, I think, for Brett Bielema. Um had a lot of those super seniors last year that that are gone now that they have to replace on both sides of the ball. So it's kind of transitioning between Levy Smith's recruits and his own recruits, and there's kind of a, you know, going to be kind of a lull there. You know, if, he, if they can score some points with this lack of depth and, and make a bowl game, uh, he's going to be Big Ten Coach of the Year because they really lack quite a bit of depth. And you like the starters at wide receiver, Isaiah Williams, uh, Casey Washington, uh, Pat Bryant will probably, probably be the other one. But the, after that, the, the depth is questionable. You might see some freshmen out there. A guy like Sean Miller from IMG Academy is probably going to play a lot. Uh, I see. It seems like we always kind of skip around the running back position because we all know who's going to be there, and, and we know that's a strength position. And it's even a, di- a deep position. It's probably the only position on the offense that I would consider really deep, huh? It is, you know, it's a good situation. Chase Brown back, Josh McCray, who was, you know, really showed some things last year as a true freshman. They, you know, they added a couple of freshmen: Jordan Anderson from uh, Mount Car- from a uh, um, Chicago uh, Juliet Catholic, and then uh, Aiden La- uh, Lafery, the local kid. Uh, they like what they're seeing from those two guys in practice, and uh, so you know, it looks like a deep position, uh, but. As you know, running backs get hurt a lot, so we'll see how that goes during the season. But it's probably their deepest position. Talking to Doug Bouchon from Rivals.com, Orange and Blue News. Defensively, where are your concerns there? Yeah, the, you know, the back end of the defense, you lose uh, uh, Kirby uh, Joseph, who's off to the NFL, so you got to replace him. And just a general general lack of depth, you know, that, the outside linebacker position, the rush linebacker position, they lost both stars, Owen Carney and, and Isaiah Gay, and you got to replace them. You know, they like Seth Coleman there. They like Ezekiel Holmes. Uh, both those guys showed flashes last year. But, um, again, it might be a position where you're, you're going to see a freshman play. Jared Beatty uh, they, from Oswego East, they really like him a lot, and he's, he's put on some weight in the offseason. Um they got to find a safety, you know, to replace uh, Kirby Joseph and uh, Keontae Curry's involved in that, and, and uh, uh, Kendall Smith, uh, the fifth-year seniors involved in that. So, you know, just a general um, lack of depth. I think, I think we have some playmakers along the defensive line. That's a good start. Um, guys like Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton, uh, but uh, they got to find some depth in, the, in case guys get hurt. The spring game coming up in uh, just a little bit less than two weeks on April the 21st on a Thursday night. 
We get it. We know how spring games go and what you see and what you don't see. But what are you looking for, uh, hopefully, that you might see or what you might learn when we get around to that spring game? Well, everything. And we were going to be looking at the depth chart because, you know, just getting to see uh, position drills during spring practice for 15 minutes, it's just hard to figure out who's going to play and who's not going to play. So we'll be looking at the depth chart. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, Tommy DeVito, the new quarterback. Um, you know, he's got a good he's got a good arm. He's pretty mobile. Uh, he's a fairly accurate passer. So we'll be watching him and watching the passing game and uh, watching the up this new up-tempo offense with Barry Lunny. Um, so, you know, you don't take a lot away from uh, the spring game, but every once in a while you'll see a breakout player. So, you know, we'll be looking for a breakout performer, somebody who maybe didn't see the field last year that, that's going to be a, play a plum, prominent role for him in the fall. I'm looking at my depth chart right now, and I'm, I have no idea how close it is to being accurate. But I, I tried to come up with one, so that'll be a, an opportunity to see how close we might be on that and uh, get a look at how things uh, at least end up the spring. I don't know that... Anybody wins or loses a job in the spring, but at least it gives us something to talk about, right? Yeah, we're in the same boat here. We've got a depth chart, and, uh, you know, my guy, uh, Alec, who, who uh, writes about football for us, he sat down and did a depth chart on both sides of the ball, and we have that on the, you know, on the front page. But just like you, we're, we're you know, we're not, not positive, and especially the O-line. You look at the O-line, and there's a bunch of guys, but we don't know where they fit really yet. And uh, we know that they are playing uh, Alex Pilstrom at center. That that might be the only spot on the O-line that's set, uh, you know, going into the spring game. Hey, Doug, we appreciate your time. Keep up the good work. Um, Illinois.rivals.com for Orange and Blue News. Doug Bouchon, thanks a lot. Anytime. Thanks, guys. You bet. 10.03 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one of Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk is in the books. Back with our number two, Will Leach is in the studio. We'll talk to him about baseball, basketball, football, and whatever else comes up. Stay with us. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is 10.06. Phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Steve Kelly with Lauren Tate. Here till 11. Got quite of a treat for you this morning. Will Leach, who is on with us about once a month or so, and he's always been very gracious with his time on the telephone. He's with us in the studio. Good to see you in person, Will. Good to see you guys. Welcome back to town. Tell me, uh, 
Tell us what brings you back into town. Yeah, so the uh, Daily Illini actually celebrated its 150th anniversary two years ago, but I don't remember what happened, but they had to delay it for a couple of years. I'm not <laughs> sure why. Uh, but so they are having their Daily Illini 150 uh, anniversary uh, this, this weekend. They're inducting the Illini Media Hall of Fame class. So it's 20 people, and they had 19. They realized, okay, we need to have – you can't have 19. We need to find some idiot to make 20. And so I got to be the 20th. So I will be there this week, uh, this evening. Uh, it's a very fun event uh, hosted by a lot of the, the – the current very talented, very intelligent Daily Illini staffers, and uh, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to have a good time. I, as someone that uh, was, literally was at school here during DI-125, it is disorienting to be <laughs> here for DI-150 at a certain level. But fortunately, nothing about campus or champagne has changed at all in that time. So uh, it, it's certainly very welcoming and comfortable. Does that make you feel young or old or both or what? Definitely not young. <laughs> Definitely, the, and it, it, but again, you know, it's funny because I live in Athens, Georgia now, and so I get, I'm used to seeing college students. Like I have a lot of friends that have come back. I have a friend of mine that's come back from Chicago. She's like, "Wow, the college kids are so young." I'm like, "Oh no, they're like that everywhere. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the same age all the time." I, I when I went to college, I was a grown, intelligent adult, not like these 11 year olds <laughs> that go to college now. Uh, but it's been very great, it, 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 and it's it's a really fun event. And I so I do remember it is very strange to said to have been here for Daily Line twenty one twenty five working on a special edition newspaper that we put to, put together then and now to be back for a DI one fifty and have them look at me that like oh so they had a newspaper when you were here <laughs> uh, yes they did yes they did and they and they still do how much trouble is the DI in in terms of finances they're only publishing two days a week now yeah and listen that's a this has been something that's Inflected a lot of obviously the newspaper industry in general, but student newspapers as well. Obviously, you know, I think there is newspaper everywhere. Oh, across, across the country. There's no question yeah. about that. And I think that uh, Illini Media, they're always doing. Uh, I've, I've always tried to help out. I think a lot of alums have all tried to kind of help out. It's a difficult time, but I think also everybody understands the importance of uh, of keeping that going. For me, you know, I mean, I I when I growing up, one of my heroes was Roger Ebert, of course, who who had went here. And one of my favorite Roger Ebert quotes was, he said, it wasn't until he learned, he got to the Daily Illini that he learned his three favorite words in the English language by Roger Ebert. <laughs> and, and I always understood that. The, the byline. You, know, you fall in love with the byline. You fall yeah. in love with the byline, the work, the reaction, the community, they're all putting it together. And I think that's something invaluable. And so uh, I, I, I'm glad to be able to kind of come and help to support the Daily Illini with what they're doing. And they've had some struggles just like any college student newspaper has had some struggles. And, you know, they, they're, they've put some student votes to help uh, kind of support like part of tuition. I think you've seen this across the country a little bit where if the students vote, they can uh, basically raise money for the newspaper. Uh, uh, but certainly it's different. You know, I mean, when I was here, we published daily over the summer. I mean, that is obviously not happening anytime, anytime. But we charged a quarter uh, back then. So uh, obviously it's different now. But the one thing that's the same is definitely the students, uh, the, the the kids – you know, I, I always when I talk to the students, they're always like, "Well, because like most students, they're like, well, my parents just want to know if I'm have a job after this. That's what they, they don't really care. I'll, I'll tell the parents about. It. I'm like, don't worry about the parents. This is an exciting, fun job. Your parents don't want you to do something boring. This is definitely not boring. It's challenging, exciting, but they have that same kind of dream and hope and excitement that uh, that we had 25 years ago. Well, I was watching a baseball game yesterday, mm-hmm. 
And it's the ninth inning. It's the tenth inning. And I looked up, and there's a man on second. Mm, the zombie runner, not the ghost runner. A ghost runner is an actual thing that you play in the backyard. This is more accurately, say, a zombie runner. This is someone who was dead and has been brought back from the dead and is now put in second base. It didn't do anything to uh, earn his spot on second base. Exactly. It's, it's someone that should be dead, but somehow it's, ha- it's still moving around out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, the zombie but runner. they're not going right? to use it in the playoffs, though, right? They're not going to use it in the playoffs. And, listen, I... I'm, I love baseball. I, I understand why people dislike it. And I get it. It's, it's weird. It's a zombie runner that's on second base. But what's funny, if we've learned anything from baseball over the last few years, basically all baseball is looking for is something that the owners the, and the players can agree on. Like, and honestly, that's something they both agree on. Owners like it because it, it basically gets the games over quicker. They feel like it increases the pace of play. Players like it because they get worn out to play those extra innings. Managers love it. There's nothing a manager that hates more than having an 18-inning game where that wipes out your pitching staff for the rest of the week. So I think I, the Yankee game, I think I saw where in nine innings they used seven pitchers. Yeah, and, that, and that's the Seven thing. yesterday yeah. in the opener. And so at a certain level, it's very strange, too. Listen, I understand why people don't like it. I totally get it. It feels strange. It's a random runner on second base. On the other hand, like a lot of the things that people generally complain about baseball now, the games take too long. There's no, everyone's just trying to hit home runs and not trying to put balls in play. Uh, we, we don't know when this game's going to end because it's, it's, it, there's a pace of pace. So all of that speeds up with that runner on second base. Now, we can argue whether it's unnatural or not, but if the, the circumstances of baseball are going to change, some rules or baseball are going to have to change along with it. And I think... I, I think this is an example of them trying to react to the way the game is played now, less than uh, in, in a way that feels unnatural. But I also kind of understand it. The, the timing for the pitcher is going to go in next year. Yeah, the clock. Yeah, and they're talking about getting rid of the shift for next year. I think that's that's yeah. up for debate. That's can still, they do that? They can't. I mean, they they can they can. And I and it's funny, Theo Epstein, who is in, you know he of course the guy that that performed the horrible horrible act of winning a World Series for the Chicago Cubs. That's something <laughs> I will never forgive him for. Uh, but of course. Now he works in the commissioner's office and uh, and basically is in charge of like fixing the stuff about baseball that doesn't work. And one of the things he talked about the shift, he's like, I get it. It's weird because like it's not like in football, you say, okay, sorry, if, if the, the the defense can move wherever you want, that's the whole point. Is you the offense then has to adjust and the defense adjusts, and it feels weird to ban a shift in that way. But what basically what he's saying is like, look, listen. You need the game to be more interesting. You need the game to be more exciting. And it just feels, as much as I understand the shift, it feels wrong when someone hits a line drive right up the middle and there's somebody standing there. It's just against the way that we've all kind of played baseball. So I think what they're talking about doing is not so much banning the shift, but having certain zones that certain players kind of, or like you can only have two players on the left side of the field and two players on the right side. You can put them wherever you want, but you only have two people on. The, on that. That's what they're talking about doing for next year. Well, if if you had a guy standing a foot to the uh, to the right of the bag, a ball hit up the middle could still be fielded. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, that's true. That's true. And but I I think the major thing is when you see like it's very strange sometimes you'll see like oh that's a double play ball wait it's being fielded on the right side by the second baseman throwing to the third baseman at second and who's even covering for is that the catcher over there like it's <laughs> like and I get it like we grow up with baseball having a certain look and feel and it is different now in a way that i think is easier it helps player teams win i think it's strategic and intelligent but i also think there is an aesthetic aspect to this the example i always use in this is in the nba when you call a timeout after a when you call a timeout uh, you can move the ball from front court to mid court that is basically breaking the rules of space and time that doesn't make any sense you can't like it's like you call timeout but somehow everything moved forward that's unfair it's weird (laughs) 
but it also is much more exciting. It makes for exciting plays, and everyone just kind of accepts that. I think I love in college that they it's don't do it that way. Not coming into college, and I don't <laughs> want it to come in college. But in the, but I think the NBA in the NFL have always kind of embraced this. You know what? Maybe it's a little against the spirit of the games. But isn't it a little bit more fun? And I think baseball is slowly starting to do that in a way that I think is disorienting and it can be upsetting to people because baseball really hasn't done it that way. But I also think baseball is trying to kind of react to uh, some market forces that uh, have been pushing it up for a while. Talking to Will Leach, phone line is open, 217-356-9397. I looked at my email just a moment ago and I have volume four, issue 11 of uh, the Will Leach newsletter. Do you write something every day? Yes, I, I. I don't know. I don't have. That's, that's my coffee. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, you got to write something, you know. And it's funny because you know now I obviously do some do some TV stuff. I do some podcasts. I do some a lot a lot more visual and audio stuff. But for me, writing is the point, right? And I think Dan Rather always talked about this. Dan Rather always said that, like, listen, I'm a, I go on television, I'm a newsman, but it all starts with writing. And, you know, that is why I went to the Daily Line. It's why I went to the University of Illinois. It's why I write books. That's why I do anything. Like, the, there's a certain I, – I, I can't speak for your, your perception of the world, but it seems rather chaotic to me. And sometimes – and, and, you know, part of being able to write is to give it some – make some sort of sense of it and try to find the best narrative structure, linear – logic to it even when there is no linear logic and so i do that for writing as you can see listen to me talk i talk really fast i sometimes go in circles i sometimes go over here but writing you don't see any of that i just can can go straight through and i think uh writing is the only thing that makes sense to me let's go to eric in champaign on the phone go ahead eric hey guys um driving down to the cardinals game in st louis right now oh, envious. Uh, good. Envious. Talking, about, <laughs> talking about baseball at all um did you notice the um the uh catcher pitcher thing they have set up now with the yeah. uh, automatic uh, calls and everything they're doing? Yeah, it's, so I don't know if people know about this, but basically what they're doing, this is another example of trying to speed up the pace of the game, which is nothing slows a game down more when there's a runner on second base and he's trying to get the signals from the catcher and the catcher's trying to hide him and they have to do this and they have to go talk to the pitcher and it slows everything down. So basically they've introduced this new thing where ba- the catcher has like a little thing on his wrist where he can signal fastball, curveball, however they set the signals and the catcher and the pitcher can see it, hear it in his hand. In fact, the, the, the fielders can too. I yeah. saw this during the Brewers game, Colton Wong, fielders. yeah, Colton Wong at second base is like, oh, I know there's a buzzer in his hat that says, oh, fastball in the outside corner, so I know to adjust a little bit for for that. I not every team is doing this. In fact, like the Cardinals are one of the teams that are not doing it, probably because this doesn't sound like something Yachty would like. <laughs> you just mentioned something that um, it always worried me. You said that the second baseman knew about it, so he could adjust. If I'm the batter and I see the second baseman move. That tells me what the pitch is. I suspect what he's doing is it's more it's more I know to be leaning that direction when it when it's coming in. Like mm-hmm. I think like Colton Wong is a terrific fielder, and I suspect that he knows it just benefits Colton Wong to know that there's a fastball in the inside corner coming. Even though I suspect that won't immediately make him shift. And I bet, and I listen. Some teams don't want it. Some teams don't want it. Some people like the old fashioned way. They have the option of doing it again. Yachty. Clearly, with the, the idea of putting putting this in form for Yadi Molina's last year, he's like, "Yeah, I'll just just start this after me, yeah. finish it after me." But it does make a lot of sense, and I I actually think it will help the game a little bit until someone hacks into it <laughs> and then well, discovers. Is it true that some of the information is coming from the manager to the catcher? To, Abs- absolutely. So you're telling me that 
we've got a rookie manager going to tell Yachty what this. What the, yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> uh, who, who's who's uh, five years younger than Yachty? <laughs> by the way, and the youngest manager in baseball, right? <laughs> yeah, and and listen, I, I, but you know, this is not unusual in other sports, right? Like we, remember, do you remember there was an initial controversy with like, wait, the quarterback can just get signals and sound in his helmet? That doesn't seem fair. I know that's been going on for ten years, and the game is fine, and no one really cares. Better than beating on a trash can. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the high. That's my favorite thing about the Astros scandal. Like they used all that crazy technology. <laughs> Well, they hit a trash can with a bat. Let's not overstate that. Anything else, Eric? I was going to say it's probably going to lead to the electronic signal, uh, electronic calls at home plate. I think they're working on that in the minors this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think this, I think Theo, one of the things Theo Epstein talked about was the idea to think of it not like an automatic, like immediately as soon as the ball is pitched, ball strike and there's no umpire. To think of it more like if you watch tennis and there's a ball that's right on the line and a, and a competitor say, can you check that? And like they have a, a result in three to four seconds. I think that's what you're going to see in baseball the next couple of years. Not so much robotic umpires, but having umpires and a batter or a pitcher be able to challenge the call and have it be resulted in like three seconds. I just saw a story come across. Excuse me, Dwayne Haskins? We got that, but go wow, ahead, wow, wow, wow. Eric. What, uh, what else you got? Uh, last thing I was going to mention, I was watching the uh, Toronto game last night, and the umpires are now announcing – the reason for challenges and the results, which is a million times better. Should have done that from the start. Don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but it was a really yeah. good result that they added. Uh, yeah. Helps to understand what's going on. Yeah, and people like that. And, uh, and listen, they're not going to like it when they don't agree with it, just to be clear. <laughs> but I do think it, it, it helps to, uh, to have as much, much transparency as possible, something baseball is not always great at. Eric, appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Enjoy the game, Eric. I'm envious that you're there. My dad's there tomorrow with my sister for her birthday. I'm, I'm not there. Thanks, I'm, I'm okay. envious of yeah, both of them. There is some uh, breaking news. The former Ohio State quarterback, uh, Dwayne Haskins, has died. He was hit by a car in yeah. South Florida. His agent uh, confirms that, so uh, sorry to hear that. It is uh, 10.20. We need to take a break. We'll be back with more. We'll keep the phone lines open. Will Leach is with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back after this. 10.22, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. Steve Kelly with you until 11. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. You undoubtedly have been to um, opening day in St. Louis at some point in your life, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a fine uh, thing to see, no doubt. And, and I had not been there in all yeah. my years of a, being a Cardinal fan, but I was there on Thursday, and a lot of fun with the uh, the guys coming in, the Clydesdales coming in, and the guys coming in on the convertibles, and they do it upright down there. Yeah, there's no place else in baseball that does that. No. Right? St. Louis is the only place. That, lots of teams have grand histories, but nobody has a thing where everybody comes back. Yep, and 45 minutes uh, it, it took. And I noticed I was looking at the uh, the Pirates dugout, and I thought, wow, those guys could be in the clubhouse being you know, where it's warm and <laughs> right. getting another yes. snack before the ball game. But they were on the top row of the dugout uh, applauding the uh, the Cardinal Hall of Famers as they came by. They seemed to really be getting into it as well. Yeah, and I think that this is one of the things that, listen, I'm a Cardinals fan. I've complained about the Cardinals many times on this show with with you guys. But, like, this is a reason that for 20 years it's been pretty good to be a Cardinals fan is because people are, baseball players see that. 
Like, I guarantee you those Pirates players being like, we're going to be playing an opening day in Pittsburgh next week, and there's going to be 3,000 people here, and no one's going to care. And when you can see what they do in St. Louis, not just to have all the fans there and have all the cards and have the Clydesdales, which is all great, and I love all that, but legitimately to have, every, like, Jason Isringhouse and then Scott Rowland and Ray Lankford and Ozzy and Willie and, and McGuire and all these people coming back recognizing they all have other stuff to do. They don't live in St. Louis, but they always know to come back for this. That is something that no other team, not the Yankees, not the Dodgers, not anybody has. And I think players want to go to a place where they are appreciated and loved and will be loved forever. And uh, the Cardinals, uh, I don't know if Ray, I love Ray Langford a player. I don't know if Ray Langford is a legend anywhere else in St. Louis. But in St. Louis. <laughs> right. Well, that's tradition. And one tradition uh, was kind of ended uh, when they fired the manager after a very short term. And yeah. I, you were on with Bernie Miklas, and Bernie probably helped me in understanding what happened more than anything where uh, Aaron Ed, uh, the the um, the numbers outweighed the feelings of the manager in terms of what he did on the bench and uh, it seems to me that it's gone too far but I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough job. You're referring to, of course, my podcast I do with Bernie Miklas, mm-hmm. the great Bernie Miklas. Yes. Uh, from, uh, from, we do a podcast called Seeing Red about the Cardinals every week. And Bernie has really had a lot of great information about the Schilt firing. And one of the main things he talked about, it's partly numbers. It's partly them wanting him getting away from the numbers. But also think about how hard it is a job to be a manager. Because like, there's not a lot of Tony LaRusses left anymore. There's not a lot of Tony LaRusses where they're, they're hard on you and they're loud and they're in charge. Mostly... The manager job as a manager is more as like a middle manager anymore. Your job is yeah. to be a conduit between the clubhouse and the front office. And that's a super hard job, particularly someone like Schilt, who I think was perceived by a lot of people as a company kind of management guy. So as he tried to kind of assert himself a little bit more, he would try to get his kind of inner LaRusa out a little the bit. Analytics and it wasn't really working for the front office. And so yeah. I think what's really been interesting about Marmol so far is one of the things I've been really impressed with, and one of the things I liked Schilt, but one of the things that was very frustrating about Schilt. Schilt, every time we had a press conference, everything was fine. The Cardinals could be three games under 500. We just got to get our guys right. We're fine. We're fine. Everything's good. Everything's fine. And eventually fans start to not believe you. It kind of goes away. It erodes the trust a little bit. And I think it led to a lot of frustration, particularly before that winning streak last year, which which I think Cardinal fans kind of forget that before that winning streak, that was as irritating and frustrating a Cardinal team as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And so that win streak kind of cured all of that. 17. But, but that issue was still there. One thing I really like about Marmol, he's very upfront about everything. Everything. He's very. He will talk to the media about like, yeah, you know what? Jordan Hicks needs to be able to throw more strikes. Uh, and uh, you know, if if Edmundo Sosa is going to play, he's got to be more consistent with his glove going to the right. He's upfront with his players. He's upfront with the media in a way that Matheny definitely was not. Schilt was not really very well as well, but Larusa was. And I think that I think someone referred. I think Ben Fredrickson for the Post Dispatch said that Marmol had an old school Frankless with a new school mentality. That seems like a really good strike zone to, to be able to find. I, and, uh, and listen, he's undefeated so far. So I think we're clearly happy with how things are going. You're a national guy with a favorite team, as I suppose most national guys have a, mm-hmm. have a team. But uh, in your situation, the Albert Poole story coming back to St. Louis is a big deal, I'm guessing, for you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the national guys, I think, are saying, we're going to talk about this all year. <laughs> it's kind of the Masters, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it is a story. Or Tiger's accident. That's part right, of the story, right, but right. you get tired of seeing that. Right. But your take on 
on Pujols coming back to St. Louis. You know, I mean, I I think it's possible that he does not actually help the team that much, and it will be a little bit of a disappointment and a bummer, and it will also be wonderful, and I'm totally happy it's happening. <laughs> and I think it's the best way to think about it. And I'll put it this way. If the, if the Cardinals um, lose out on a playoff spot because of Albert Pujols, they, it's not because of Albert Pujols. It's because of a whole bunch of other things. And I think that, uh, sure, is he a luxury item? Yeah. But, and he'll also, I'm sure he'll make back that $2.5 million by Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday of last week. I mean, I think that the, the, certainly the money-wise aspect of it. But honestly, like again, to me, just what we were talking about with the opening day, this is part of the Cardinals thing, right? Everybody comes home. Everyone comes home at a certain level. So even if Pools is not the con- con- contributing that much as this year as we might like, it's a long-term thing. It makes sense for players to see this is the place where you will always be beloved. Lauren called me and said, I'll go to the, go to bat him against the right hander on opening day. <laughs> yeah, I do. I what did think, you think they yeah. were going to do? I don't think they're going to. I feel like I haven't seen the lineup today. I would be surprised if he's starting today. Right. That felt like something you have to do. To but exactly. if they're going to do this correctly, you can't start him against guys like that. <laughs> like no, that's got, right. That's, right. That's what Lauren was saying, but I was also saying the other day. I think you got to do it on opening day, no matter no matter who's pitching. You wanted to see him, didn't you? Well, I did. Sure. I'll put it this way: if Corey Dickerson, who would have probably started DH instead of him, hit three homers, (laughs) the card he still would have been booed on opening day (laughs) for not being Albert Pujols. You have to start Albert Pujols on opening day. I think he should sit today, and he should probably sit until there's a left-handed, probably even left-handed soft tossing (laughs) starter. But uh, uh, on opening day, you got to start Pujols. I saw yesterday where um, Judge turned down a Yankee offer eight years for $30 million a year, roughly. That wasn't enough. Yeah. The guy's 20, what, nine? Yeah. And he's, he wants a 10-year contract when he's 39, and all I see is the end of these contracts, these huge contracts, always make you regret Am I wrong? Yeah, it's generally speaking, generally speaking. I know uh, Max Scherzer was a was a contract that people kind of mocked when he got. Then he played all the way through. People were worried about the Matt Holiday trade uh, of the Matt Holiday contract for St. Louis, and he was good all the way to the end. But but ten years, ten years for a guy that's, that's almost what he wants. for for a guy that's almost thirty is clearly. Uh, has the body type that tends to not age well in baseball. Six seven. Yeah, and has also had a ton of injuries already in his career. And listen, I, I'm my instinct is always going to be like, I'm not, I'm always going to side with the players at a certain level. Like either that money goes to him or it goes to someone that doesn't play baseball, and I'm not paying to watch. Like at a certain level, I'd rather see. I, I and particularly when you're the Yankees. When the Yankees are, I mean, the Yankees meant money in a way that no one, including the Dodgers, meant money. And Judge is really, really beloved by their fans. Mm-hmm. That said, whoo, 10 years. <laughs> 10 years is a lot, right? And I can, well, they I, I can understand. Down. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, th- I think they're, they're right to do so. We'll see. I mean, he's betting on himself, and I think that's a smart thing to do. But I don't know. Judge is – I mean, he's older than people realize. People think of him as a younger player. He's not a younger player. And I think that, uh, I think that would be a contract asking for trouble. We're talking to Will Leach. We'll continue in just a moment. Stay with us. We'll keep the phone line open, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we're back after this. It is 1033. Glad I Saturday Sports Talk. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have uh, this week's winner in the Game Day Spirit Weekly Contest. Winner gets a Big Ten Championship T-shirt. They've got him in orange and blue, go figure. 
Okay. <laughs> so of all colors. Today's only, that's right. <laughs> the only colors that matter. We'll announce uh, today's winner of that contest coming up here shortly. The game day spirit uh, stadium sale, by the way, coming up in a couple of weeks as well. We'll tell you more about that. Will Leach is with us in the studio. We've talked baseball. We haven't gotten into basketball yet. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. The transfer portal up over 1,000 now. Uh, Illinois recruiting going well with the verbal commitment, and the not out of the portal, but a high school player in Sky Clark. You could, All kinds of uh, uh, NIL possibilities are twirling yeah. around in your mind. And as a writer, too, I would think, with a guy named Sky Clark. Oh, yeah, and, and his hair is wonderful, yes. by the way. He's, <laughs> oh. I will say, so I, my, my, I've transformed my 10-year-old son into a diehard. He watches, Illinois, he watches Georgia football. But he's a diehard Illini basketball fan. And so that I, I think it is very telling to see how kids consume sports media differently now. Like he was like, he's been giving me updates on Sky Clark every day for like three weeks. And I, he's like, he's like the 24 seven crystal ball pick is. I was like, wow, that's a, like, that's amazing. My dad's theory has always been, I'll just watch the first game of the year and just tell me who's new. <laughs> and, and the kids are not like that at all. Uh, Clark, clearly it's exciting. Obviously the ACL thing, he's still kind of working his way back from that. But I mean, you know, to me, I, I think it makes a lot of, it's clearly something they need with, with, with Kerbelagon. I think it just speaks to the general positive momentum of the program, right? Like, like maybe, maybe he's going to be fully recovered to be good this year. Maybe it's going to take a little more time. We don't know. But like the idea that this five-star guy is, Illinois is not only a legitimate option, the place he wants to go, speaks to, like, think about where we were a year ago, right? Like, we thought, like, like uh, Io's gone, looked like Kofi was leaving, the assistant coaches were gone, everything was, everyone was freaking out. To have gotten not, not only settled back down, but actually having the recruiting, this could end up being his best recruiting class, is pretty remarkable and makes you feel pretty good about things moving forward, even if maybe... The tournament has not quite consistently turned out the way we would like. I think that's what you want. This, what have we been saying for the last 20 years, right? We've been looking at, uh, at, uh, at Michigan and have them be like, and having, having you know, uh, uh, their, their center be like, why do those Illinois guys think they're good? They're never very good because the last 20 years have been really, the last 15 some odd years have been rough. We've been saying for so long, this is what Illinois basketball is supposed to be. Just cons- it should be a destination place where the top players want to go, and they're making that happen now. We'll see how it plays on the court. Obviously, you have to have success, but to have that, to have a top ten recruiting class after the things that happen, and Kofi's still possibly coming back, I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, do you see the Do you see the portal uh, changing in future years in, in the sense of uh, reduction in the number of people getting in it? Because right now it's swelling beyond belief. We expect another seventeen hundred players to be in when you've got 350 teams you can figure out how many that is per team by the way George, I, w- I was going to mention georgia to you by the way they've lost a whole bunch right down there where you are yeah they lost a bunch even before last year what, I mean, eight or nine players i mean if you looked at throughout the tournament last last year auburn had a georgia player kentucky had a georgia player like they all just they they all were spread out on tournament teams that's why tom Crean ultimately lost his job and i think one of the problems with tom Crean at georgia i think is he was unable to adapt to a transfer portal area era and when if you don't do that you're going to get left behind he lost nine players before this last year and he won six games that's what happens six when games. you don't pay attention to the transfer portal and i and it is obviously listen i understand 
we are used to the idea of four years and having these guys work this out. And frankly, I still think there's a lot of value in that. I don't really think this was particularly one of Bill Self's most talented teams at Kansas, but they were together for four. They they had a lot of veterans. They had a lot of guys for a long for, that were there for a long time. And I think we still forget that. Like I've seen Arkansas show up number one in a lot of rankings for, next, for preseason rankings next year because they've got two or three guys coming back and then a bunch of great recruiting class. But that's not usually who wins, right? And I think that it, I think that it, with anything, the transfer portal is so new, has become so massive. We haven't. We're all kind of freaking out about it right now. It does feel that ultimately it will settle into what it should be, which is pe- when people are, don't have a right fit. And things like I love Andre Corbello. I will always root for Andre Corbello. I think it's hard to argue that I think maybe both sides kind of needed to change at the at, at, at the at the end of that season. And so I think that's good. I'm glad that he doesn't have to 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 sit out a year and suffer because of some, a decision they made two years ago. I'm glad to see these guys be able to move because coaches can do it. <laughs> coaches can move around all they want. And so it is weird and it's disorienting. I also think it will settle down a little bit at a certain level when you see teams like Kansas succeed largely w- largely with people that have been there for a while and Jalen Coleman lands ninth year of college <laughs> basketball. <laughs> Speaking of... Well, I think uh, Villanova did that too. Yeah, I, I, it's smart. Uh, it's smart. And, I, and I, listen, that's one of the reasons that you were kind of excited about Illinois this year, right? They had a lot of people that had been around for a long time. You had a strategic transfer here or there. And I, I just think roster construction, it's just a part of roster construction, but I don't think you're going to see a lot like Texas Tech did for a while where it's just all transfers. I think that's, you can maybe pull that once or twice, but I think in the long term, it's hard. It's why Kentucky doesn't win the national championship every year. Like you can bring in all those top five-star guys, but you have to have some continuity. Speaking of Bill Self, he'll be in town on Tuesday along with Alon Kruger and Brad Underwood, of course, for the Coaches versus Cancer event up at Gordyville, USA. It's sold out. Mm-hmm. 1,200 tickets sold. All three of those gentlemen will be there to speak. But just because it's sold out it doesn't mean you can't contribute. You can do so by going to uh, coachesversuscancerillinois.com and make a contribution that way. Certainly a good cause. And uh, Lon Kruger is uh, on the national board of the Coaches versus Cancer. So uh, it'll be fun to uh, to hear those three guys uh, tell us the basketball stories and how timely with Bill Self coming in. I don't know if he'll bring the trophy with him or not, but uh, <laughs> everybody saw him cutting down the nets, and that was that was good if you're a Bill Self fan. My, my favorite Lon Kruger story, I was here. I was a, I was a sports editor of the Daily Illini when Lon Kruger was hired, and he gave one of his first interviews. Sorry, Lauren, but he gave one of his first interviews to the Daily Illini because <laughs> he wanted to get in good with the students. And so I was the sports editor, so I literally got to do one of the first interviews with Lon Kruger. And, of course, I was a student journalist. I had to ask the tough questions. And I, asked, and I said, sir, so I just want to know, what do you think of the chief? Like, what do you th- what, what's your stance on the chief? That was my first question. Tough question. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, the chief. The chief. It's like, he's like, what, what, I like the chief. What's, is there something wrong with the chief? I was like, oh, yeah, it's like a thing here. It's like a whole thing that you should be aware of. So I, it gave me my perfect lead. I was like, Lon Kruger has a lot to learn as he comes into because he had no idea the chief was a thing. I think he knew uh, pretty soon. So you were the guy that told him about the chief. I, apparently, I, I feel like his his life was so much simpler and easier <laughs> until I introduced him to that to that little controversy. I feel bad. Back to the um, transfer portal situation. Do you see it changing? Uh, is it getting out of hand? I think that like. Remember, a lot of this is still a little COVID related, right? Yeah, There's yeah. still like that people have that extra year. They like that right now we are, it's going to eventually it has to settle down because like, there are still rules and said like you can't transfer. Not everyone's going to be able to do 
be Jalen Coleman lands and transfer yeah. like four times over seven years. At a certain level, there will be a certain settling in, and it will be used the way that I think it should be used for people to have when they someone is in a bad situation, they have a one time opportunity to find a better situation, and teams are able to fill holes that way. Well, if you got a dozen players on a team. The, the the five guys that aren't playing are in a bad situation. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, then, but honestly, like like that is that's it makes the j- coaches' jobs harder. But you know what? There's it's not supposed to be easy. If it were easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> well, that's kind of what Tom Izzo said this week yeah. about it. He, yeah. he said, "I, I get it. I'm dealing with it. We're living with it. But isn't that part of growing up? Isn't that?" Yeah part of becoming an adult yeah i mean i here's the best way to put it anytime i'm worried about the transfer portal i think about how insane it would have driven bob knight and oh i feel boy. like maybe the transfer portal is a good thing boy, by the way <laughs> he ran off a few people oh yeah, you, oh, yeah. i mean i remember yeah. way back where he ran off a lot of but people. i mean honestly this is also what i would argue could be progress right like there's a lot of people that were stuck with bob knight that made the decision with bob knight and probably would have liked to have changed it and i know bob knight helped a lot of players i'm not saying that he didn't there were a lot of people that swear by bob knight there were also probably a lot of people that didn't and had no opportunity to get out of that situation and so it was really tough so the so the idea now is i would say that anyone that's in a bad situation should have the opportunity to get out of it because Coaches have that opportunity. I have that opportunity. We all have that opportunity. For a player not to have that opportunity at least once. If I, I don't think full free agency every year is attainable or something that anyone should want. But the idea to get out of a bad situation once, yes, you'll probably have some people abuse it. And you'll probably have some people that go in there when they probably shouldn't. I feel like that's a small price to pay for someone to get the opportunity to get out of a bad situation. The transfer portal, NIL, mm-hmm. another topic uh, you're down in Athens, Georgia these days. Any idea what the Georgia football NIL <laughs> situation looks like? What kind of money is going out to football players? I will say Stetson Bennett, uh, is, he, he looks like a NASCAR driver <laughs> walking down the street right now. I'll bet he does. <laughs> He's got advertisements all And good for him, right? Good for him. And listen, you know, there are, there are that, to me, that he is a perfect example of why NIL should work. He's not playing the NFL. Stetson Bennett is small. He's he's not that fast. He's a excellent college. Uh, he's an excellent college football player. He's never going to play in the NFL. He deserves to be able to get. This is the time he should do it. He's making a lot of money for Georgia. I feel like he's had the opportunity to do that. To me, I I have to say I don't feel, and we'll see. It's still early. We've seen like worries about Texas A and M and some yeah. of the things that they're kind of doing. It's still, I feel like ultimately these things will settle in. But at a certain level, you look at all. I feel like look at college basketball right now. Look at all these great, not just Kofi, but Shibway from from Kentucky or Dickinson from Michigan, guys who who are great college players but don't play basketball and the NBA doesn't play basketball the way they do anymore. If it's 1991, Kofi and Shibway are the one-two picks in the draft. But that's not the way the NBA is anymore. The idea that there isn't... What's better for them? To have this opportunity to come back and build your name, get get this kind of brain, get some money out of it, or go play on a sad streaming channel as a two-way G League player in, in Grand Rapids where no one... And maybe get called up once if you catch a break. And, you know, I, I think that makes more sense to be able to have that. I think it's better that way. And I think it's better for the sport. You're not going to tell me it's not better if Kofi Coburn comes back to me or Oscar Sheway or Hunter Dickinson come back for these recognizable names. One of the things that was so fun about the tournament this year was there were so many recognizable names in the tournament. It wasn't all just one and done guys popping in. And so that seems good. The, the fact that the, the, I'd say of the 10 most popular college basketball players last year, 
because of NIL, you've got the opportunity for half of them or more to come back. That's really, I think, great for college basketball and great yeah, for Timmy fans. from Gonzaga is going through the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. He's just not a high draft pick, but might go in the second round, probably wind up in the G League for a while, or he can come back, and they say the NIL is going to look good for him at Gonzaga. Yeah, and it's great because it's different. This is why college basketball is different than the NBA. I have friends of mine that swear that I love the NBA too, but they won't watch college basketball because they only watch the NBA. But the college basketball is different. It's just a different sport. Someone like Kofi can dominate in college basketball in a way that he cannot in the NBA, not because he's lesser of a player. It's just the style is just entirely different i like the style of watching kofi coburn play basketball and i feel like he should be rewarded for being able to do that as opposed to being a guy that comes in and fouls people fouls three-point shooter to, to teach him a three-point shooter to sit the to play in the g league that's that's not using that's not kofi being the player that he should be should there be a limit of nil money going to any individual player or how would you Govern that. I mean, like, I put it this way. The people that would govern that are uh, are not people that I trust to be able right. to govern that correctly is right. probably the best way to put it. So there's a little bit of a Wild West aspect to it. But I also think that market forces come into play. At a certain level, uh, you can have all the uh, rich donor with the car dealership uh, uh, you want. At a certain level, as much as they might love their team's fo- their football team, I don't know how much ROI you're getting at a certain level when you're when you're when you're given that much money, and I think that I think that ultimately these things again will even them, themselves out. The idea we all have the idea of like the guy from Two Life Crew giving all the Miami players right. five hundred thousand dollars and so on, but he's not going to do that every year because it's not worth it. <laughs> and so I think that ultimately these things kind of equal out. You okay on time? You got another ten minutes? Uh, as long as the listeners can can withstand listening to me, I'll t- I'll talk to you guys as long as you let me. We'll take a break at ten forty six. We'll uh, do that and come back and announce this week's game day spirit winner and have the final few minutes of the show for you. Stay stay with us right here on DWS. Back after this, the Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com. About 10 minutes left on this edition of Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Glad you're with us. Will Leach hangs with us in the studio. Time now to... uh, Name the winner of this week's prize winner in the Game Day Spirit uh, Weekly Contest. All you got to do is go to uh, the DWS website, look for the uh, contest portion on the page there, and then click on the Game Day Spirit icon and enter your information, and you will either win a gift card or a weekly prize. And this week's weekly prize is a Big Ten, official Big Ten regular season championship T-shirt in your choice of orange or blue. And the winner is John Longfellow. John Longfellow in the uh, 217 area code, the winner of this week's uh, prize from Game Day Spirit. And the stadium sale for Game Day Spirit is two weeks from today. If you've ever been to the uh, uh, stadium sale, it's a good place to get uh, great merchandise. A lot of stuff that's um, right out of the uh, equipment room at the University of Illinois as well. Good deals on authentic Illinois material over there hoodies hats sweatshirts jerseys whatever you need that's coming up from uh, 9 to 2 on saturday april 23rd Ten fifty-two is the time a couple of calls let's start with karen in champagne go ahead karen hi um 
first I wanted to say how much I enjoy your shows. Your sports stuff is fantastic, and the guests you have on are so interesting. Um, secondly, I just wanted to ask about this thing that I've been seeing advertised recently. Have you heard of this new USFL that's going to be debuting next Saturday? Football League? Yeah. Oh, is it the USFL? Yeah. Oh, USFL, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, it's co-owned by The Rock. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, of course it's it's inspired by the old USFL, the uh, the original USFL, the one back from the eighties and so on. And this is uh, they're they're trying to bring that back, connect it with the merge that in the XFL a little bit, and uh, trying to to figure that out. I hope it's more successful than the last USFL. Uh, I, there's a great documentary on ESPN uh, Thirty for Thirty about who called who killed the USFL that will give you a good history of kind of what happened with that. It's really interesting. Well, I'm looking at their website. It looks like they have different rules than than mm. NFL football. Or it looks like their rules are a little different. Like USFL is three options after scoring a touchdown. Blah blah blah. You know, like a whole bunch of different rules that they're outlining. Onside, you know, different stuff on their website about different rules they are going to have. So. You, you know more about it than I do already. <laughs> I have to look into that. Never, <laughs> never underestimate people's desire to watch football. <laughs> like, it's exactly. never a bad investment. Okay, well, cool. So, are you? Is this something that's a, a thing? Is it a real thing, or what? It, I mean, yeah. They're playing games. They're, they're going to be putting it together. I think that uh, any. I think that any time, any time anyone uh, puts together a challenger to the NFL, it's difficult. <laughs> but I think they're going to yeah. give it a try. Hey, Karen, thanks. I'm sure you'll be able to find that on TV somewhere along the way. I, one of the Atlanta running backs from past is, I, I saw was going to yeah. play in it. Yeah. Oh, Reggie Why Corbin. Not? Corbin, oh, yeah. thank yeah. you, thank you. Yep. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Let's go to Marty at uh, 1054 in Pinehurst. What do you say, Marty? Morning, gentlemen. The weather's great here. It's golfing weather, Steve. Well, it's always golfing weather for me, but <laughs> almost. Right. All right. Will, here's here's a question for you. Yes, sir. I, I view this Cardinal team as a, a nice combination of two Cardinal eras, the defense and base running ability, uh, not quite the total speed of, of Whitey Herzog's era, and a pitching staff that involves a bunch of sinker ballers that Dave Duncan would have just loved. Um, can a team built around pitching to contact and defense compete with the super teams with the Dodger type of lineups and the Yankees and the Red Sox in Toronto with a big power lineups and the big power pitchers can they still compete in this day and age i think they can though i think the strategy is not so much competing with the dodgers and the yankees and those teams it's competing with the brewers and like i think they they think this is the best way for them to win the nl central and that's really what the cardinals kind of shoot for for better or for worse right i know there's some frustration among cardinals fans that they don't try to make those big moves to become the dodgers that may not spit as much as the dodgers but like certainly shoot for the moon that generally speaking the goals tend to be more modest they try to shoot between that 88 to 93 win well they want to be competitive every year they don't want to kill themselves for the yeah which and that's the strategy and i think that i mean i i think the proof is that there's been what two or three losing seasons in 25 years i mean i feel like that is that that so i think there's there's value in that I, but I do think for what they're doing and look how different the Cardinals like we talked about the 17 game winning streak uh, earlier on the show 
that happened because they finally, like, I love Yohei Alviedo. I think he's got a nice future for the Cardinals. But the guy couldn't throw strikes. And they had all these young pitchers that couldn't throw strikes. They literally took the lowest hanging fruit of pitchers in their 40s that would just throw strikes and keep the ball down. And they took off. And so I think that's the goal. That's why I think someone like Steven Matz is a perfect fit for what the Cardinals are trying to do right now, is a guy that just that doesn't walk a lot of guys, keeps the ball down, doesn't give up a lot of homers. That's exactly what the Cardinals need, particularly in their ballpark. The Cardinals have a team that's perfectly situated for their, ball, for their ballpark. So I think it makes sense. They're, I don't, they're, they're not going to win as much. They're not as good as the Dodgers. But you don't really have to be as good as the Dodgers to beat them in a playoff series. I mean, the Cardinals were how many games short of the Dodgers last year and almost beat them uh, in that one playoff game. So you, uh, the, the goal, I think, particularly now, is there's more teams and there's series to get in the tournament. If you can get in the tournament, I think they think this is the best chance for them to get in the tournament. Hey, Marty, I'm up against the clock. I got it. Always Come good here, to hear man. from you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, Marty. Steven Matz, I think, gets to start uh, tomorrow. Yes. My, Michael is today's uh, Matz tomorrow. So your book, mm-hmm. what, within a month of that coming out? Then? No. Uh, well, I, the How Lucky my, my is the paperback version of How yeah. Lucky comes out mm-hmm. uh, in May. Okay. And, then, and then my next book, which is called, uh, it's another novel called uh, The Time Has Come, is due uh, when that book comes out and will be out a year after that. Okay. So. Is it a sequel? It is not a sequel. It takes place in the same universe. It also takes place, there are two smaller characters in How Lucky that are larger characters in that book but the main characters their, their stories have generally been told but it's another novel it's actually set in june of 2021 so if you remember where we all were at that point thinking hey we're out of this awesome we're gonna be fine and uh, and the bright future is ahead and nothing bad will happen at all and it did not turn out that so way. you write for mlb hmm. you write for you still do some uh, golf do some golf stuff. I write for New York Magazine uh, mm-hmm. every week. I write for the New York Times, and uh, yeah, I, I I write forever. Have me, but those those are the regular spots. So how do you how do you get up in the morning and budget your day? Now I've only got two minutes left. So right. <laughs> yeah. well, let's see. At eight a.m. Uh, no, I for me it's just it, I I said touched this earlier. I I don't feel comfortable if I'm not writing. Like literally, this is longer than I like to go just doing oh. this show without writing. <laughs> like I need to make stuff, you know. So I think that uh, certainly writing fiction is a little different. But uh, it's the same general principle. You're just telling stories, and you're trying to communicate ideas and, and, and tell stories to people, and that's what people want to hear. You've got, what, two sons, two kids? Uh, two kids, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. Okay, yes. so is there a time in your house where, where's Dad? Well, he's writing. Well, uh, yeah, uh, thankfully, there's no, they're no longer doing virtual school, so it's easier to yeah, find that go. time. It's easier to find that time than it was then. But they understand. They're, they're getting old enough now that, like, my older son is obsessed with baseball. So he now, he loves to, like, he loves to debate things that I wrote on MLB.com. Be like, really? You think that he's the best pitcher? I'm like, listen, I pay for your food, pal. <laughs> so you don't get to, I get enough of that on the internet already. So, yeah, but it's, it's a good time. It's nice to be critiqued by your son. They're old enough to, to call me out. Well, it's great to have a little extended time with oh, you in the studio. My pleasure. My pleasure. Welcome back to town and have fun this weekend. I will. Have a great time. That's Will Leach, everybody. Thanks to our other guests on the show. Scott Ritchie led us off with some Illinois football and basketball talk. David Wood stopped by from Indianapolis. And Doug Bouchon from uh, Rivals, orangeandbluenews.com. Talk some spring football with him. We'll be back with you next week. We'll be back with you on Monday Night Sports Talk as well. Back in the studio from our 28-week series at the Esquire. Back in the studio for the Monday Night Show. And congratulations to John Longfellow, the winner uh, this week at the Game Day Spirit Contest. Thanks to Dave Leak, our executive producer. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.